Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the Tooth Fairy and Santa, and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it on your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android and is free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. This episode is also brought to you by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. Hey everybody, it's Matty K with the Working Experience Podcast. Today I sat down with Andrew Ackerman, otherwise known as Dearest Scooter, host of the wildly successful podcast Sleep With Me, which has helped many, many thousands of insomniacs around the world um, just by listening to Drew tell wonderfully inventive and intriguing stories he's a great guy and he is an extremely interesting subject to talk to so please enjoy the working experience 93 north is almost at a standstill it's a rough one out there this morning snow and sleet there is no service on the and clear of the closing doors please uh, yeah folks we're gonna be a few minutes we have train traffic ahead of us we should be moving shortly John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was Ow. sipping his Sexual toenails at the desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey everybody, this is Maddie K. Uh, it is February sec. Uh, no, February seventh, two thousand nineteen, uh, and I am here with uh, my friend Drew Ackerman. You lost five days there. Did I, to, <laughs> to, to the second and the fifth. That's a that's a rough five days. Isn't time really irrelevant? I mean, isn't that you know? I would say it's irrelevant for sure. Yeah, yeah like I believe that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, John, my partner John is not here, which is good because John is a control freak, uh, frequently stepping on my ideas because he doesn't want people to hear them because, frankly, they're just a lot more original than his ideas. He tends to be a bit uh, narrow-minded and, you know... It's a control freak. He's a control freak. So I think that comes with like he has a personal relationship with Santa Claus. So those, those kind of like that massive ego comes to that he knows Santa Claus so well. Yeah, he's always hawking his app to trying to just make more and more money. You know, it gets it gets embarrassing quite frequently. Oh, on that note, I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, McDonald's, for uh, this. Oh, they're not officially sponsors, but I mean. Basically, if they could float me two Big Macs a week, I'll I'll plug McDonald's, no problem. 
You'll need like a Crest Store to start sponsoring the podcast too. <laughs> Lipitor, like. A... Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, J- John wants me to remind you, uh, oh, everybody, that's li- everybody that's listening, like, uh, make sure to subscribe to the Working Experience in your podcast app of choice. All you got to do is search Working Experience, and then if you're listening and you like the show, you like Maddie K, you want to get a hold of John, you want to start a feud between the two of them. Just share right out of your podcast app. Uh, it's a great way to share the podcast and let other people know about the working experience. Well, you said you you'd give me 20 bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John will give you the $20. See, there again, once again, the long arm of John reaching into my podcast, even when he's not here, controlling controlling the strings. I'm just I, the puppet. I, I, I told him. I told him to do that. I, I, know, know. I know. How are we going to get Maddie to do this? <laughs> Well, um, yeah, so uh, I know Drew from college. We've known each other for over 25 years now, something like that, creeping up on that, 23. Time flies. Time flies. And uh, I did one podcast with Drew way back in the early days. This is probably within the first 20. And I have told so many people the story about the pig, the 300-pound pig that uh, you let loose from a house in Berkeley, I think. Yeah, good times. Got away. The, pig that, the pig that got away. That'll be out on uh, in uh, 2022. Uh, story of a sleep podcaster. The pig that got away. Script. I'm, I'm feeling a script, perhaps, <laughs> somewhere in here. Uh, I loved how they complained about the somewhat medicinal smell of the mattress with the 300-pound pig on the uh, sofa. Yeah, there was also like dried fish in the kitchen uh, in, oh. a, in a in a sk- skillet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it made it even more ridiculous. I was like, "Oh, this is my life. This is what my life's become." It oh, is. and the pig got away. And Great. the pig got away. Yeah, and what the, there were treats involved, right, to lure it home. I I was like so terrified. I was like, "This is just what I need." Like a dead pig on my hands. Like, <laughs> Along with everything else, <laughs> now they, they this. Were, they, I was delivering the mattress. They wanted to return the mattress, and then the family pig. That was. Oh. Uh, it was like li- sometimes you're living onion headlines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man lets three hundred pound pig loose. That that would be an onion headline. Yeah. So is this? So um, I'm sure all of you probably. Well, I don't know. I don't know how many people listening to this podcast know about the cross-pollination, if you will, but uh, your podcast is centered around helping people sleep. Right. Yeah, it's a podcast to put people to sleep. It's uh, strange, boring stories uh, to help you fall asleep. Uh, and it's uh, So if you're working and you're stressed about work, maybe I can help you fall asleep. Yeah, I, I actually recommended your podcast, well, to more than one person, but the woman who teaches in the classroom next to me, uh, you know, we've become pretty good friends. And I, I, we were just kind of chatting and she said something about, yeah, my husband always has trouble falling asleep. And I said, I have got the cure for you, my friend. So hopefully he'll, uh, he'll dial in, but you've got international, uh, community now people just, I mean, they're, they're loving it. Yeah. I've been doing it now for six years, I think. And, uh, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, just keep plugging away and keep uh, connecting with people that listen. Keep telling them to spread the word. Like I said, uh, it's like the mo- that's really how my show has grown. It's like the listeners going out of their way to tell people about the podcast. And yeah, it became my job, like uh, or what I do. I, d- I don't know. We could talk about the vocabulary later, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, my full time or extra more than full time gig. <laughs> Yeah, well, we were going to get into, um, I, I heard this guy, well, let me let me back up a little bit first, because is this, like, the podcast that I do, I'm always either talking to John or I have a guest. The podcast you do, it's primarily you, right? Yeah, it's just me, and, like, sometimes I do voices, which are pretty much the same as my voice, uh, <laughs> which people, some people get a kick out of it, and some people greatly dislike, so I'll be like, hey, I'm going to have my neighbor on. Oh, hey, everybody. I'm Scoots' neighbor here. I'm here. <laughs> so these are the voices sort of droning on in your head that you harnessed. Exactly. You, I mean, you go. can relate. Like when you have like Absolutely. those multiple people, like when I explain it to people and they don't have those multiple voices, they kind of look at you like, oh, dear. 
And you're like, wait, you don't have conversations with yourself all day long and arguments? Oh, I get angry. I get very angry. Like, what are you talking? I invent arguments with other people. Who's who's me, really? Right, right, right. Criticizing myself and getting defensive about it. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I should have put more. Like, I don't really work that hard. I leave work at 2.30 and I'm all behind on my paperwork and I didn't do anything except like watch Netflix. I didn't even do that. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You got to live your life and all that. And I get into this thing where I'm going on like defending and criticizing myself. Yeah, that's what I, I know exactly how I feel. It's like, or you like come up with like, a other, you'll try to guess how other people are going to eventually criticize you. Yes. So you say, you're like, man, like, like when that new principal gets there, he's going to be going down this list. Maddie, what is this? this? Did you see, have you seen the dust bunnies in the back of your classroom? What kind of teacher are you? Like, how are these children supposed to learn? I invent, yeah. Like, this is what my boss is going to say to me. And I, I, I'm already getting angry about it. Like, I know I'm behind on my papers, but I've been trying to catch up. And I want to devote enough time to each individual essay, which is all lies. I'm mean, even just lying in this argument. And that's why I get defensive. Like, I'm going to get called out on my lie. I don't know. Like, that is a working. It's like I've spent so much time working at that. Like, I'm always like, if I can repurpose that time uh right I, I would actually probably be like a one of those people that like jumps up and kicks their heels in the air yeah and like s- strolls down the street like yeah yay yeah like if i didn't devote so much time to arguing with myself <laughs> and defending myself against accusations that have not been made but are valid that i come up with i don't even know how to wrap i'm gonna have to sit down and, and really concentrate on this this weekend write it down well, it's this weird, like, this doesn't even exist anymore as a trope, but, like, the idea of the drill sergeant or the nun who has to break you down so you can build. Yeah. I'm, I'm still in the, the breaking myself down phase. Like, <laughs> Where did I even learn this from? It's like, sorry, man, we got to break you down. We got to break. You have to, if you want to be hopeful, if, do you want to be hopeful? Well, you got to lose all hope because there's nothing to hope for. You're totally doomed. And it's like, why am I doing to this myself? Well, you got you got to help you cope with the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, you know, in, in education today, there you know a lot of kids are diagnosed with anxiety and such and so forth. And you know, I went to like an all boys Catholic high school where if they got the idea that you did not have enough anxiety and you felt good about yourself, that was a problem. They were gonna stomp on that as quickly as possible right like like back when we like nowadays they have oh we teach here we believe in trauma-informed practices and that guides our principles at the school let we were coming up it was like trauma-inspired practices like yes what will inflict the most trauma on these children (laughs) so i could control them right yeah like uh your your work is terrible and it reflects on you as a human being you're a bad person not just you're bad at math, but you're you're morally weak, you know, and you just kind of went on from there and drank heavily. And, you know, uh, that's how you coped with it. <laughs> like, like a common question back then was like that didn't have answers. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's that's wrong like the adults, with you? Like, yeah. like, but it was like, uh, they said, oh, no, I wasn't. I, that, that was a shaming mechanism, actually. Like, no, it's not a question. Wrong with you? Yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> it's not a question. Now they have. We get stacks of papers about a quarter of an inch thick on each student figuring out what's wrong with them. So, right. Know. And then you're like, oh, how can I help you deal with that? Then it was like, yeah. No, no, there's no helping you. No. Like, no. You're just a basket case. You're just what we call a basket case. And I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, you know? Like, and if you ever said I did my best, they'd be like, that's your best? Seriously? We have major problems here. <laughs> I always want to say to a student in my head, like, you know, but, but I tried my best and that's, what's really disturbing about this. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, well, I can imagine a lot of your audience probably lies awake having these, like I've read people's comments on Facebook and they, they talk about their mind spinning, like going through these arguments or like, chewing on every little thing like i walked by that colleague and she didn't even acknowledge me did i do like what's going 
and it's just endless. Yeah, yeah, those are the worst. <clears throat> like I just got back from a conference, and I was doing the like post conference. The conference was two days long. It took me like six days to recover from it because I was like <laughs> replaying every conversation. Like, uh, and it's like, it actually, I apologized to someone for avoiding their emails and stuff. And, and even that wasn't good enough. When I got home, it's like, what kind of, what kind of apology was that? Like, what kind of, and it was like, well, actually, I was apologizing to him because I was, you, I have so much anxiety. I had to avoid his emails, so I was trying to make. Oh God, that was the worst <laughs> apology I've ever seen. What? It, what you, you always got to make it about you. Like, what the heck is wrong? It's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Damned if you do. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, I, like I said something, or I, you know, and that person's, and like the person doesn't probably wasn't even listening to any of my jibber jabber, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, you start to just grind through it and then get, uh, you know, like we're saying, get defensive about it and everything. And like, if you went to send a follow-up email, the person would probably be like, yeah, no problem or whatever. You know, like, I have other things to think about. Yeah, like I walked away there probably like, who was that again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You build something up so much. Or it, it it's happened to me you know, rarely, but it has happened where someone will, like we were in a meeting one time, this was years ago, and this other teacher piped up and said, well, I think Matt has a problem with Nick, this other teacher. And I'm looking up and like, it took me a second to realize she was talking about me. And I was like, <laughs> problem? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't have any. And she came up with this whole scenario that she wasn't even involved in. And I was like, we're going to sit here and talk about this. Like there's, and Nick was like, I don't have like, I don't know what's going on, you know, and it was just, it was bizarre. Like she just didn't have enough to think about, I guess, you know, what are you going to do? So you're performing a valuable service for these people who are, you can commiserate, you can empathize. Right. I think they call it the wounded healer archetype. And I'm like, well, uh -huh. I've, I'm wounded. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, so is this format, well, I mean, obviously, it's a little different for you to be interacting with someone else while you do the podcast. Yeah, I mean, this one's comfortable because I know you and it's like, uh, I, I love goofing around anyway. So, uh, but yeah, usually my show is just me staring into space, like uh, <laughs> imagining whatever, like uh, it, there was a big series I did where I was trapped in a, in a spaceship. It was in an alternative timeline with the nuns from my childhood. And wow. so we were in, interdependent on one another. So I couldn't take vengeance on them. Otherwise, I probably would have. So it's like <laughs> I had to rely on them the whole time. Uh, I, f I, f I think it was a healing journey. I'm not sure, but I, I think so. Now, do your stories, are they sequential in that, like, does someone need to follow them or they, do they exist on their own? Yeah, no, I stopped. So I have, like, <clears throat> some stories that are, like, one-offs. Sometimes I'll do TV recaps and then I'll have, like, a series going. But uh, I've made them, like... Um, episodic so that if someone misses one like they don't care because that even that would stress people out naturally like people would email me <laughs> yeah. and be like I, I episode seven's up and i haven't listened to episodes one through six and so i was like all right I've, I've, i'll take care of that i'll just i call it episodically modular i don't even know what that means but it like sounds I'm like it's doubly episodic like you yeah. could consume it at any order at any time did you ever listen to uh garrison kyler Prairie Home Companion. In my, in my, when my dad would drive around on the weekend, sometimes it would be on and we would listen. Because I, th it puts me in mind of, I used to love, because I'm basically a 90-year-old man in a 45-year-old uh, man's body. I listened to it when I was like, you know, in high school. I don't, my mom got me hooked on it. He, he had this specific part of the show called Lake Wobegon Tales. Right, right. Where he had created this whole world. And like, it sounds like what you do, like you could listen to the stories on their own, but they also existed in this, like these characters spanned generations. They went on for years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, it's cool, like to be able to like, especially when you write, I mean, you write a lot of stuff too. It's like when you like, even when you've been doing stuff for a while, you really don't know what you're doing or you start working on something, it becomes something else. Mm. So it's cool to be able to make something and then be able to go back and be like, well, I liked that one piece of that story. So let's go revisit that one character that fell off the rails. Yeah. yeah. So it could be fun to be like, or 
wonder, oh, why does that character bite their nails? I don't know. Let's let's spend an episode. For, and that's the kind of stuff that puts people to sleep, too. <laughs> let's let's spend an hour figuring that out. <laughs> now, you had a, a live thing where you you basically did your show for like 100 people. Yeah, I've been doing well, I've been doing live shows like monthly, locally, like smaller ones. And then every once in a while, I'll be able to do a little bit bigger of one. But yeah, like every month I do it for like about 20 people, 10 to 20 people. And uh, some people bring blankets and pillows and sleep out, like go on the floor. Some people sit in chairs and uh, yeah, just kind of uh, just uh, tell like a story from the show or a new story. Where is that? Where do you do that? uh, Like a co-working space in in Alameda, the town I live in. So it's like uh, it was pretty good because I was looking for someplace that I could afford I was like, okay, if no one shows up, uh, how much, how much money am I gonna lose? Yeah, and, yeah. And so, uh, like, I found a place that I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and I have learned hard lessons. There has been like times I haven't promoted it, like kind of we were joking about earlier. And like two people have come, and they're yeah. like, all right, I gotta report, gotta, gotta put the show on no matter yeah. what. Like, yeah, you yeah. gotta do your yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. So you sit up there like you're doing now. And, yeah, and, and I just tell say, a story. Yeah, yeah, so okay, like, uh, like the ne- I'm doing a story on February 13th about uh, this convention I planned, RomCon Con. Uh, it's a romance convention. So uh, I tried to invent an app, a dating app, based on Venmo, which is a payment platform called Datemo, but they of course wouldn't take my calls or anything. <laughs> uh, so, so I invented a convention to try to pitch them on the idea and. Uh, so that's a bedtime story. Oh, it's wow. a, nice. a romance convention. <laughs> but now, is this a real thing that you tried to do? Or is this the story? In the world of Lake of Wo- Wobegon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. D- deep within my mind. I accidentally invented the convention, and then I found out there was another convention that had that name after the episode came out. So then I had to change the name from Le- Ram Khan to Ram Khan Khan. <laughs> it's starting to get a little hard to separate out the stories from your real life. Yeah, this is like, that's like, just like my real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was listening, uh, and I, this always sounds so pretentious, but on the way home I was listening to NPR on the radio because, you know, of course I do. I'm an educated erudite man, I suppose. Of course anybody can turn the radio on, but... Um, and they were talking about, uh, like the gig economy, people driving Uber, da, 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 and like job satisfaction and a lot of people not being satisfied with their jobs. And, and John and I have talked a lot about this and it's always kind of struck me just as a side note, like there's a lot of people, I would say the majority of people who, you know, they, they work to live, like they're not, no one's worried about their job satisfaction like they clean motels they have to feed their kids so this whole job satisfaction strikes me as the and i fall smack dab into this category of the entitled overeducated uh you know just sort of i don't make a lot of money but you know somebody who's earning like one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year and is like "Eh, i don't feel you know motivated by my job and whatnot and it's like Good Lord, <laughs> you know, like first world problems. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I think like it's like this weird nostalgia thing because I hear people say like, oh, millennials don't like to work. And I'm like, OK, are there any human beings that like to work? Like, <laughs> right. what planet are you on? Like, yeah. millennials don't like to work. I don't like to work. Like, uh, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, my dad hated his job. Like, so I remember like uh growing up like he came home for work every day and he was like working just to support us and uh so i always kind of remembered that and he was a lawyer for like a a bank in syracuse so it was like wasn't a place where war- lawyer he had six kids so it wasn't like for for a lawyer he was making all this bank where he was like oh this is a great job he was like making enough to support six kids and he was just like anytime anyone growing up would be like i think i'm gonna be a lawyer you make a lot of money he'd be like Hey, let's let's sit down and talk. And after they would talk to my dad, their face would just be pale. <laughs> they'd be like, "I guess I'm not going to law school." Yeah, try medical school or uh, go to 
go be a financier or something. No, it's funny. My father was a lawyer too. And first of all, I would always get the question, oh, so you're going to be a lawyer like your dad? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, no. I think, I don't think he hated his job. Uh, I think he found a lot of satisfaction in it, but he worked like, I mean, he worked like midnight, you know, and Saturday, Sunday. I mean, I think he found satisfaction because he was a very type A personality, like, you know, trial lawyer. And I'm not that way. I'm not interested in any of that. But I always want to tell people, what I, I try to tell this to like the kids I teach, like if you want to do a job, go talk to somebody who does that job. Like it's not law and order. You're not Sam Waterston in the courtroom with the trial. Most of it is like paperwork three feet high that you have to plow through with a mic, with a, a microscope, you know, like, so if you like doing that, more power to you, but that's it's not Atticus Finch. Like that's really not what it is. And I would say that with any profession. Like you just go like making movies. Like people, oh, I love making. I love movies. It is like the most boring. It can be the most boring, frustrating process. Like you, you got to feed everybody. You got to get equipment. You got to. It takes fourteen hours, like for a day, and it's you know it's satisfying, but it's like you know it's not. It's not the two-hour thing you see up, you know, Tom Cruise and all that. Right. So, well, my original thing I was going to get to is when I was listening to that guy, he's a, he's a writer up in Maine, and he, he made the difference between having a job, you know, just to earn money, and ha- and working. Like, and you seem to fall into that category. Like, you have your work, which is your podcast, but you don't anymore have like the job that you go to from nine to five or eight to four or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's funny. Cause I volunteer at my old job. So it's like even stranger, <laughs> like I, that's I made, really funny. <laughs> I made the transition and that happened to me at, at work. Like when I was doing the podcast for a while, I was like, Oh, could this ever become my job? And, and, uh, I worked with like, uh, like youth, uh, that were in the justice system and, and uh, I was like, oh, I really like working with these youth, uh, but it's really stressful as a job because it just kind of grinds you down seeing everything they go through and, the, and seeing the system. And and so it was like, I wonder if this would be less stressful as a volunteer and I could do the podcast as my, my job or whatever, my work. And yeah, at some point I went like part time, <clears throat> like I made a slow transition b- between the two. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm really... I'm really lucky. I mean, I guess there's the extra anxiety. Is this a real job? Does this have, but I, I mean, nowadays you don't have any job security anyway. So it's like, oh, I might have no job security because I work for myself making a podcast, but did, did I ever really have any more job security anywhere else? Probably not. Well, what I think a lot of people don't realize and what you, you know, you said before, you've been doing this for six years, you know, a long yeah. time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a grind. I mean, it's really like, I don't, I, I, sometimes it gets on my nerves and people say, oh, you're, you're, it's a hustle. It's a hustle. But like part of that is true. It's just like, you got to grind it out and you got to keep doing the work. You're like making the show, making it better, like servicing the people that listen to it. But you also got to kind of hustle and be like, man, what, what else can I do to sustain mm-hmm. this as an enterprise? Like, uh, uh, so it, it's a lot of work, but it, it definitely does not feel like a job. Like, I mean, it feels like work when I'm doing it, but it does have a different, a different feel to it. I really feel grateful. Well, I guess because you, I mean, you're the one driving it. I mean, you don't have to. <clears throat> either you're going to do it or you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that so. can like like uh, when it comes to certain things, like uh, yeah, it's like oh, God, I gotta get that done, or, or things you just loathe doing, like spreadsheets it's like oh i still got to get that spreadsheet done with these numbers for that person or whatever uh so then it'll be like one in the morning you're doing spreadsheets uh but you know it's all got to get done well that's that goes to like the whole uh i think thing about like knowing what you're getting into like to a lot of people it's like oh you know drew reads some stories like they don't know all the work that goes into it and nor should they really 
Yeah, that's actually like a good question and an observation is like uh, that's something that's like I guess like stressful for me because of the the mental uh, <laughs> things we were talking about earlier. Like yeah, there's some yeah. part of me that wants to be understood because I'll see sometimes somebody be like, oh yeah, like you just sit down, you record, you put the episode out. And it's like, no, it takes me hours and hours and hours. Like, and uh, one time a friend, she said, uh, I told her, like, there was a poll on Facebook. It's like, how long do you think it takes Drew to make an episode from start to finish? And I think the the overwhelming answer was like five hours. And I like was devastated. I was like, I'm doomed. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get this podcast supported. And, and like, it takes so much more than that. And, and I mean, for my particular style of show and, uh, I called one of my friends and she was like, who makes a podcast? And she was like, dude, it's not the listener's job to know how much work goes into the show. No. She, she's like, they don't care. And as you said, they don't need to care. They're there to listen to it. Like, uh, uh, so she's like, maybe go talk to somebody. She goes, it's a good thing you called me. You got to talk to somebody about this, but not your listeners. No, no. I mean, if you like do a short film, and you start telling somebody's like, boy, this is really boring or this really sucks. And you're like, do you know how much work I put into this? It's like, do you realize how much worse you have just made everything? Like, it's it goes back to like, that's your best. Like, it took you that long to do that. Like, well, sort And, you know, that's why some people uh, affect not caring because they don't want to deal with that. But... Yeah, I, I can sympathize. It's like, you know, just you, you do. You put so much work into it. Nobody wants to hear that. I mean, nobody, you know, it's like, all right, fine. You know, like with your short films, like it's like then you, after it's done, it's even more work. Right. It's like you got to you got oh, we're doing that now. And, and, yeah. And I couldn't be less interested. Fortunately, we have this guy, Brandon Scales, who uh, he was in. Mile 22, he's become this, like, big extra. He's, he was, like, a featured extra in that. And uh, he's in another one coming up. Storyland? Is, is that a movie that's coming out? I think so, yeah. He, uh, so, and he's, like I say, he's a producer, and he's just amazing. Like, he, you need a guy like that in your corner who's going to promote it, who's going to sell it, because I can't do that, because it's mine. So... You know, you need a real champion. And he knows a lot about that end of it. I mean, if it was me trying to do this alone, it would be, I'd be watching it in my living room by myself. Like, that's pretty much as far as it would go after that. Because there's the festivals and there's like trying to get in front of people. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know any, like, you got to do all this stuff online and all, and he takes care of all of that. So I'm like, very grateful for that. Like, like you might Google short film festivals and that, that would be the end of the, that would be, uh, that I might write a few deadlines down and then I would be cursing myself yet again. in one of those self-flagellating arguments, why didn't I submit it? Why didn't you just do the, well, because I was too busy and oh, you're such a lazy bum and you know, that whole thing <laughs> that whole, and it all would equally be true that, you know, that all be, uh equally valid but um yeah i mean that is I, I think you know having work like i guess it is not to sound or to overblow it but it's sort of like a vocation like this is really what i want to do and i'm willing to do all this crap that i don't want to do to do it about there are some people i really admire who will work 12 hours a day at a job they hate they will really do that like, they'll stay there till 2 o'clock in the morning doing reports and stuff. I would get, when I said this to John one time, like, oh, I'd get fired from one of those jobs. He thought I, I meant, like, oh, you tell your boss to go F himself. I'm like, no, I mentally can't do it. Like, I would fall apart and get fired is what would happen. Yeah, you like, know? as soon as they saw through that web of lies. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I think the same thing. I'm like... I'm so incompetent at that stuff. <laughs> it would just take a while because I'm good at covering up. But it's it, right. they'd be like, yeah. What, do you, yeah. What, what formulas are you using in this spreadsheet uh, addition? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Like, what do you mean addition? This is for the quarterly <laughs> quarterly analysis predictions. We needed a cosine 47ZC. Like, uh, uh, oh, I thought we were... Here. 
I thought we were using sine 24a. That's what we did in my old job. <laughs> That's why people can relate so much to George Costanza on Seinfeld. It's just the endless BS to cover up the fact that I just didn't do it. You know, I just, I didn't, you know, I, and I don't know how. Like, I was thinking of this yesterday driving home because I left work at about five because we have report cards due tomorrow, which I got finished. But I had a lot of grading to do and da-da-da. And, you know, 5 o'clock is late for me to leave work. It was probably more like 4.30. And, of course, I was feeling very put upon and burdened. And, <laughs> you know, very, very sorry for myself. I worked so hard and da da, da you know. And I was thinking, because this happened uh, to our mutual friend Jim, who you did the Tough Mudder with. Yeah, yeah. He was saying, like, one time at his old job, he had to stay there till like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, and I was thinking, like, Okay, if it was four o'clock, and usually I get out at five, and all of a sudden they came and said, "Hey, look, this presentation needs to be put together tonight because the manager's flying out tomorrow morning, so we literally have to stay here till this gets done." I would last maybe until seven o'clock, yeah, and then I'd have to quit because I can't do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like being around people that could do that, like, and they don't eat or anything, and I'm sitting there like five thirty. I'm like. What, what, how long are we going to be here? Also, what are we going to eat? Are we going to yeah. food? Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll get food later. Let's let's focus here. Let's yeah. crack down. Yeah, we like, got to get this PowerPoint put together. I, I can't work on it till I, I can't stop thinking about food now. Like, no. Uh, no. And I just, if I don't, like, say I was working for some, like, financial company that employs, like, I don't know, 5,000 people, and this is just some project that's go like I can't like I'd be like why are we here like I don't understand what we're doing like I don't get it <laughs> you know and I'd just rather go home and be by myself I don't know I just can't do it you know <laughs> what do you want from me it's the way I'm wired but you know, some people are like two o'clock in the morning man they're cracking along like John described to me what he used to do at Morgan Stanley oh my God like I just Again, it's not that I have any moral objection to it. I physically could not do that job. Yeah, no way. Forget it. Like staring at all those numbers. And he tried to explain it to me once. And that was causing me so much anxiety that I was just, I felt like I was back in like high school physics where I knew nothing that was going on. Nothing. We'd get a test and all I could do was rewrite the problem. That's, that's as far as I could get. <laughs> it puts me right back there maybe the like we're the people that yeah we're broken down i, I don't know what happened like maybe we need the anthropologist to tease all this out and be like are they wired but but are they happier i guess in the end it's like uh, if that's what happiness is that's too much work i'd just rather be mediocre and uh, yeah 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 these type a personalities they just exhaust me i just can't i can't wrap my head around it uh, which brings me to this woman. Uh, John and I were reading about uh, this, well, this woman, Erin Griffin, who I'm going to interview on the 15th. She wrote this article about the grind, because that's the big thing now. You're supposed to rise and grind, apparently, as a, as a term now among mm -hmm. this new generation. And this one woman, like, you're always supposed to be grinding, like, you know, you're supposed to, like, be working, like, 80, 90 hours a week. Uh, this one guy described his, you know, he's working, building up his e-commerce company, and he's working 80, 90 hours a week, and put on all this weight, and he was really unhappy, so he did something else. And um, he was talking about ROI. His time was always, he's always thinking about ROI, which stands for Return on Investment. Okay. Like, Am what I'm doing right now, am I getting a return on my investment? Like, is this time furthering my business? So John and I were talking about that. He has two boys. And I said, you should say to your son, okay, you want me to play basketball with you. What's the ROI on that? Okay. You crunch the numbers. And if you can come back to me with some hard data on the return on my investment, we'll play basketball. If not, well, we're not playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. grind culture. Grind culture is what it's all about. It looks like I just did the math. 
it's a, in a seven day week, there's 168 hours if, if my calculator works correctly. So this woman at Yahoo claims she wrote this article that it's possible for her to work 130 hours a week, uh, which is 18 hours a day, seven days a week, I believe. I think I did the math on that. And uh, everything down to bathroom, how much she uses the bathroom. Because that there's no ROI on the bathroom. Yeah. You know, so unless you bring your laptop in there, I suppose. I guess you could bring your phone. That's what you should be doing in the bathroom. <laughs> but I mean, she works at Yahoo. Like, what is, it's not like they're coming up with a cure for lymphoma or something. Like, they work at Yahoo. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like two things. There's like the commoditization of human beings, but there's also like, think about it. Like, I don't know how much people get paid. Like I live in the, where all the tech people work and I'm always like, how much money do these people earn? But it's like, how much to work? Like one, how many years would you be able to do it? And how I I would need at least 300,000. I don't even know if I would do it for $300,000 a year. Like, uh, it might even, well, I could, I mean, if I made three hundred thousand in two years, I could probably live the rest of my life. But but like it's like oh yeah, yeah I'd, I'd live on like fifteen thousand dollars a year, just live out the rest of my life. But it's like how much are you getting paid in exchange, or what are you getting in exchange for that? Uh, that's I mean it's possible, but man, like I mean you'd have to because especially at those tech companies, you know, the, all the food is there everything you need to serve like they keep you surrounded with like so many amenities but then it's like you just go home and immediately go to bed or you don't sleep it just sounds brutal oh i don't and i i question like how much are you actually doing like what are you doing i mean it sounds like you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off right like, like how much time are you Red spending on, on youtube <laughs> or like yeah. are you, like it's that is something i do wonder is like are you like not not just this example maybe she is wired that way and she's just working that much but it's like i always wonder like how many hours are people actually working at most jobs like teachers you have nowhere to hide so it's no. like <laughs> no but it's like a lot of office jobs it's like uh are people even work working like for eight hours no no i i work with this woman I did work with her at another school, Liz, and she had worked in an insurance office uh, before she started teaching. And she said, you know, she just hated it. And um, I said, how much do you actually work? Like, what do you actually do? Like, during the day? That's what I'm always fascinated by. Like, you show up to work, whoever, at 8.30, 9 o'clock. What do you do? Like, what physically do you do? And a lot of it is like checking emails, looking at the calendar returning phone calls and it's like is this work like is this i guess that's work i don't know i i guess that's what constitutes work but she said maybe four hours a day you're actually doing stuff the rest of the time you're like standing around talking about television shows and just trying to fill the day and whatnot and it's like see that would eat teaching's kind of ideal for me because it's like the kids are right in front of me bell rings boom bell rings boom about 215 comes we're done like, that's it. And then I might have to correct papers, lesson plan. But, like, you're not hanging around to, like, 6.30, just, like, you know, bullshitting around, you know? Yeah, if I do have, when I do have jobs, it's, like, I want my time to be full. Like, because you don't want to have that time to think if you're like us. Like, it's, like, I'd rather just work. Like, especially those hours when I've had jobs where it's, like, yeah, like, you got to make it from 3 to 6 o'clock. And it and it slows down or something, it's like, well, if I'm not working and, it, and my time's not being used, it's like, first you get paranoid. It's like, well, I don't have enough work to do. I'm going to get in trouble. But it's also so boring. It's like, well, I'm not going to do something fun. I'm at work. Like, uh, I'm here to work. I, I had a job for a summer collecting tolls on the mass turnpike. And uh, occasionally I would work at night, like I would work from like three to 11 and you just be in that booth and it's dark and you're just like, like, I remember the sun going down and it's just like, wow, you know, it's just kind of eerie. And then occasionally a car would pull up and occasionally it'd exchange a couple of pleasantries with the person or whatever. And, you know, you could read, 
but still a lot of it was like staring out the window at the highway. <laughs> like I just graduated from college. <laughs> is this, is this it? Is this where I'm at? I remember one time this guy, I was, uh, no, it, that was after college. Yeah. 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 This guy, I went to high school with him and he went to college, same college we went to. I'm in the toll booth. He comes driving through the toll booth with a van full of elderly people that he was transporting somewhere. We didn't even acknowledge each other. It's like, forget it. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> you're both flying so high. Like, like... <laughs> I'm in the toll booth. You're driving the elderly around. <laughs> Things are going, going well. <laughs> going well. Um, have you ever watched uh, the show Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee? like just like clips of it i actually you know i was never that interested in it but uh i watched a few episodes they're only like 15 minutes each and they're good they're interesting like jerry seinfeld you know he's always on with a different uh not necessarily mostly they're comedians but like alec baldwin was on one time and it struck me how like this is so fascinating for people these days just to watch two people have a conversation yeah like, like it's pretty uh, the cinematography's good. They do some stuff with that with the, the the way the coffee's poured and all. They they get some very interesting shots and the conversation's entertaining, but it's like that's all it is. It's I think I saw I think Seinfeld pulled out his phone once just to like show him a picture of something. But it's just two people actually having a face-to-face conversation about something interesting. And it's like what a novelty these days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, it's, it, we're very distracted society at this point. It's like, uh, I mean, even I haven't watched the new Conan, but, but he restructured his show even and made it shorter. Cause it was like, Oh, I don't know if this traditional format of having a desk and having these two guests on and it being very staged, like is working. I mean, I guess there's so much competition too, but it's like, Oh, let's try something different. Uh, let's try to mix it up because it's like uh, people have been sitting in desks and makes me want to like I don't ever watch I think we were like just past like Dick Cavett's heyday but he seemed Mm. like a cool person like but I never watched any Dick Cavett interviews but I wonder what like an interview like that is compared to like comedians in cars getting coffee like uh, like if it's stylistically different or content wise is it just surface stuff where these like stuff like what Jerry's doing is a little bit more, it's funny, but more in depth and, and there's more of a connection or something. The card definitely provides like a conversation piece because he tries to pick a car that matches the person. He, he always has some reason for like why he chose the particular car. And then uh, I think the coffee shop, you know, they talk about comedy, but then they'll also be kind of commenting on the, the place itself and, you know, sometimes the people in it, or they have a little interaction with the waiter or something like that. So I think it provides some like background, you know, like he and Tracy Morgan are walking through this town in New Jersey and just kind of, you know, talking about different stuff. And, you know, so it probably, maybe that's what Conan O'Brien's thinking. Like you need more stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that's why, you know, podcasts have become so popular. It's like, I guess kind of a way for people maybe to slow their brain down and focus on like one particular thing, I guess. Yeah. I think cause it's like close to the brain, especially if you're at work, uh, then it gives you something to listen to other than work to think about, which is always nice. Or if you're in a commute, it's like commutes are just so brutal that it's like, Oh please, like anything that's going to distract me from this or make it go by faster, uh, is, is, is a miracle. Like, uh, and then it's like, oh, it's somebody interesting talking about work or it's two celebrities interviewing one another. It's a piece of audio fiction. And it's like, oh, wow, this is like a, almost like a, a novel, but a little bit different or listening to a movie. Uh, uh, yeah, there's or imp- there's a lot of improv comedy podcasts now. Well, I mean, you know, back in the heyday before television, like radio, you know, they had radio plays and radio dramas. And I, I've always kind of liked every so often going back on YouTube and listening to like the inner sanctum or it's amazing what they could do. 
Yeah, it's so wild that like uh, radio had this heyday and then it kind of consolidated and became, uh, okay, we'll play. Do you want to listen to classic rock or uh, <laughs> pop music or country music or oldies or <laughs> people arguing yeah. about politics or NPR? That's Those are your choices. Or sports. Yeah. They throw sports in there too. Yeah. It is funny. Like I don't, I, I bought a car last year. And, uh, I have like a Samsung phone, so it doesn't like when I was buying it, there's no CD player in it, which I said to the guy, I'm like, there's no CD. This guy's like 25, the salesman. He kind of looks at me like, uh, no, there's no CD player in it. I'm like, yo, where am I supposed to put in? There it is. That's, that's my commuting anthem. Come on, man. So, and then he was talking about. If I have an Android, which I didn't know that's what a Samsung was. I had no idea what he was talking you, about. You are a 90-year-old man. Yeah. Android. What do you mean? Some little thing? Some little robot that walks around with me? He's like, if you plug that in, or he goes, all you have to do is download the app. And I have to tell you, when someone uses the two words, download and app, my brain just shuts right. The blackness comes over my eyes. And I'm... No, I'm done. So I've been regulated to listen to the radio. So it's the same 20 songs on three stations. The same 20 songs. Yeah, it's insane. Because no one under the age of 40 listens to the radio. They just, it's, I mean, and practically no one over the age of 40 listens to the car radio anymore. Yeah. And it, so. it's like it's supposed to be our public airwaves. And it's like these, this one company just kind of like wasting. There's not even a guy in there. I don't think there's even a DJ. I think it's all automated. Ugh. So there's that and there's NPR, but that gets kind of boring. So then I switch over to sports, which is, I'm not a big sports fan. I don't really care that much. So these people, they get so angry over these things. They call in and you can tell this guy's like 70 years old, like Jimmy from Somerville is calling in about the Pats and if I can just, you know, you know what Bill ought to do? They always know. They always know, you know? And if they could just get, like, 15 minutes with Bill, he'd make him their defensive coordinator because Jimmy knows what's up. And they're so angry and passionate about this. I'm just like, I don't, like, I don't know. Were you out there on the field? I, I don't think I saw you out there on the field. What number are you again? Right, they're really in an insurance office. They're supposed to be doing work, and they're right. they're like writing up their script and then waiting on hold at a hours W, -O -W fan or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I I don't know, like something I have no control over. I really just can't invest myself in it that much. Like whether the Patriots win the Super Bowl or not. Like okay, you know, it's good. You know, good game, whatever. But for some people, man, it's just you know. Uh, it's it's there, some people I would say maybe not most people but maybe it's most people like they really are so into it. Yeah, I mean this is definitely a whole nother level to calling in to talk radio stations, like especially <laughs> during the work day. <laughs> I, know. I know, and yeah, they've been on hold forever just to get on there for about I don't know fifteen seconds and you know add their two cents and feel very satisfied, like they really accomplished something. It's amazing. I don't know. Well, that's the thing with work. It's like if you're working in an insurance office or whatever, I mean, maybe some insurance work is very exciting. I don't know. But it's always kind of the stereotypical. You know, if your work is really not that satisfying, you have to have something. And, you know, might as well be the Patriots, I guess, or Oakland A's or whoever. I don't know. It could actually be they may be more health like that they're getting some sort of uh, emotional stimulus from it. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. There's that, there's the office pool. Everybody was talking about the office pool and I guess you have to have something like when I worked at the Coca-Cola warehouse, that was my first like real job with guys who were union guys and they did this for a living like that, you know, they were not summer help and they got paid pretty well and it was a pretty good paying job. I mean, just walked around stacking cases of soda and in some ways i really miss that i really miss the zen quality of working from eight at night till four in the morning just stacking cases of soda you know nobody's emailing me at home i didn't have any reports to file there's no paper limited paperwork 
you stacked up the cases, got another order, wrapped it in plastic, and they, that was it. It's very simple. Yeah, I mean, that's like where our society is crumbling is a lack of jobs like that that are well-paying. It's like, uh, like that's like the sad thing is like uh, that then now it's like, oh, well, now, oh, you those used to be union jobs. Nah, not anymore. It's like now it's switching to the gig economy, like where it's like, oh, we'll just pay you for getting those tasks done and that's it. Oh, you want a security blanket? Call your mom. Like, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a complicated job. I did manage to screw it up a few times and would always be like, there, there's the guy who's going to college. Can't figure out how many cases of Diet Coke to put on the ballot. It was, it was a little beyond me sometimes. It was a little struggle. So yeah. Still 24 cases. It's still... Uh... Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's still, still 24 cans to a case. Okay, good. Got that. But I remember it was like, these guys gambled on anything. Like... Any Red Sox game, I think, like, Tyson was still really big. He was fighting that summer. Somebody, there was a guy there who always took the action. He'd walk around, who do you like, Matt? And at first, I was like, who do I like? Like, what do you, was somebody dating around here or something? He's like, no, for the game, who do you like? And I, I had to join in. Like, I didn't want to be some kind of punk and, you know, not. And I was like, uh-oh, Red Sox. Okay, well, how much? All right, yeah, 20 bucks. Good. And everybody gambled. Like, that's that's what you did. Pass the time. That and the first question anyone asked me, maybe the second question, what kind of car do you drive? And I was like, I drive an Aries K station wagon. It's my mother's car. <laughs> like, why is it on fire or something? <laughs> like, and these guys would be like, yeah, I drive a GTA. I, I don't even know what a GTA is. I had no idea what it was. Like, oh, that's nice. You know, and like this other guy drove this car. And they'd start talking about cars. And I'm like, what are we talking about cars for? Like I never, my parents weren't into cars. Like it didn't really matter. You know, it's like the car ran good. These guys were like, just bought this accessory, just bought that accessory. I'm like accessories, like for a car. Like what are you talking? I, I just, it was a whole culture. No idea. You're like, uh, yeah, I got a, I got a air freshener in the station. Right? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm just like i don't beyond an air freshener i don't know what accessory you would put into a car but people put a lot of money and time into these things and i don't know yeah, i'm trying to get my mom to get a cd player but uh... <laughs> yeah i'm trying to get a cd player in the uh the old subaru outback you know anybody got a line on one anybody got a line on cd no <laughs> yeah it's a whole new world uh all right, man. Well, this was uh, good. I think we're rocking in in almost an hour here. I'm all about the time, baby. I'm all about filling up the time. Keep it to an hour. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, this has been a very fruitful podcast. Uh, again, this is uh, Drew Ackerman, dearest scooter of the Sleep With Me podcast. Uh, where can they hear that, Drew? How do they? What's the best way for our listeners to get at you? You can like search it right in your podcast app, uh, Sleep With Me podcast, or you can go to uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com. Also, I have a new experiment I'm trying out. So if you listen to the podcast and you loathe it or you loathe me, which is a so, so <laughs> happens, you go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. And oh. uh, you'll have other resources there to uh, fall asleep to. Wow. Well, that's very generous of you to do that. You know, we've gotten trying to funnel some of that anger, you know, into something. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. We uh, not me. I, I like to. Just go. I like to lambast the listeners for not getting. We have had three reviews so far. One was very positive. Uh, that was Ben from Austin, who actually turned out to be a friend of mine, who I didn't realize. It I was all jazzed. And then he's like, no, no, I left that up there. I was like, oh, well, thank you. And then two, one, uh, I'm trying to remember, Lindsay from Alabama. I think she used the term slap together. And John relying on dropping the F-bomb to get listeners. Very accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> very very slapped together. Absolutely. And John does curse quite a bit for a cheap shock effect. I've tried to get him to stop. He won't. And then the other one was, these sound like two college professors who really don't know what they're talking about. Now, college professor, I'll take that. That's a pretty good compliment. Yeah. Don't know what they're talking about. Obviously, we don't know what we're talking about. 
I just read it in a magazine or John sends me articles online. I don't even know what that comment means. Like, of course I don't know what I'm talking about. Like what, why would I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I got, I have one that uh, recently within the last six months where it was like the longest review I've ever seen. And it was a (laughs) criticism of my recap of a Star Trek episode. Like it, and it, it was a point by point, like analysis of the episode and how badly I got it wrong. Like every point I was wrong. And it was like, well, it's like what he failed to mention is the other (laughs) student was killed. And it's like, yeah, no shit. It's like a sleep podcast. Like uh, he also failed to mention the spaceship exploded in a disaster. It's like, uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You really found a guy. I mean, there is that, like the onion makes fun of it. Uh, the Simpsons made fun of it. And that like guys like that come out of the woodwork shattering no stereotypes. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, my like uh, Star Trek cred is strong and my listeners were strong, but this person, it just hit that part of their brain that like set them off. Their lizard brain was like, ah, and I was like, now, okay. are, are, are you a Star Trek fan? Have you always been a Star Trek fan? You know, I wasn't when I was younger, like, uh, I think it was like, it just happened when Star Trek was in syndication and popular, the next generation, uh, I was more distracted and like, it wasn't on in my house. Uh, like, I think we were probably like, cause I was the oldest of six kids. We were probably watching like, uh, cartoons, even though I was yeah. probably like 22 years old. And, uh, <laughs> so I like missed it, but I actually really like Star Trek, the next generation, especially for a show it it's like for a bedtime story it's usually really interesting the acting is really for the most part top notch and it's not um it's kind of fun but in, like it's not the kind of show where you feel drained afterwards uh you're like oh like it's very countercultural for right now like you watch a show most of the time you feel good after you watch it like uh so yeah it's a pretty like uh I haven't watched, I watched some of the new Star Trek Discovery, but it was behind a paywall, so I didn't, wasn't able to finish that. But uh, they say Picard's coming back on a, a new show, so, uh, you, like, I'll probably pay for that. He's pretty, he's a really cool dude. Yeah, he is. He, he does those really funny commercials. He's, he's really, he seems like a very funny guy. Like, he can kind of, he, he knows what he's all about. Yeah, I mean, talk about someone like he played that role, Patrick Stewart, and then he was able to like have multiple careers after it. Like he mm. somehow didn't get pigeoned. I think he's like when people say gravitas, like he seems like he has the definition of gravitas. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I uh, my my big thing is kind of Black Sabbath. I love old Black Sabbath with Ozzy, not the others. And uh, so, you know, I'm on this Facebook group. We comment. People put stuff up there about Black Sabbath. So I mentioned they have a song called Children of the Grave, which Ozzy plays live solo. It's like a huge song, which I've never particularly liked. So all I wrote was, you know, I've never really understood why the song, why he always plays it or why it's always like on the live albums. It's never been one of my favorites. I get deluged with cub. You a-hole, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, like, Venom. Pure Venom. And I'm just like, I just was kind of, oh, forget. I mean, like, then you realize what world you're stepping into. You know what I mean? Passion. I guess that's sports people. Sports people that would be like that. Maybe you guys should have a shirt for the show. Keep your Black Sabbath opinions to yourself or something. Oh, uh... A little plug here. I, I just got confirmation. I'm going to pick up the t-shirts for the Working Experience podcast. So you will have to send me your address so I can send you one. It says, the Working Experience not meeting expectations. So that's there you perfect. go. That's yeah, perfect. I think that's what it said on my last evaluation at work. <laughs> not meeting expectations. And I was like, yes. Because <laughs> it was like two notches above the worst one. So I thought, well, there you go. Right in that... Right in that meaty middle, you know? That's, that's where Maddie lives. Potential. Right, yeah. That's where Maddie K lives. I just, I swim in the middle. I'm, I'm right there, like uh, one of those mammals in the sea that doesn't want to get attacked by a shark, but it's not a predator. 
you know, <laughs> I'm right in there. Yeah, beta, like a beta. Yeah, I'm fine. That's good. I don't want to be an alpha. Alpha, you're like, oh, God, all that responsibility. <laughs> you know, Jesus, give me a break. All right, Drew. Hey, uh, thanks a lot. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And make sure you tune in to both podcasts, Sleep With Me and The Working Experience. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.